Uh, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the franchise. Uh, this is episode number six. Um, as I'm recording, Aaron Judge is at bat to hit number sixty-one. So, um, I'm kind of just gonna watch that. But uh, this episode, um, we're gonna go over every single game from week three. We'll do that in a little bit with uh, when, when Jake joins us. We'll go over college football and the week four AP poll, as well as the NBA season is around the corner. Uh, media day was just earlier today uh, talk about some of the big headlines from that and heading into the season um all right this is we're also going to talk about aaron judge as i'm watching him we're going to talk about him he's in the uh contention for the triple crown he's going to win mvp this year but there's a chance he also gets the triple crown which hasn't happened since miguel cabrera um he has taken two pitches down the middle, um, two fastballs down the middle, and has not swung. One of them was a ball, though, but they both should have been strikes. Um, also, the Pro Bowl's over, and just some more NFL stuff in this episode. Um, another ball on Judge. Um, as soon as Judge is done, I will actually start the episode, but I guess for now, I'm just going to sit and watch this. Even though you guys can't see it because I can't show it, um, but two and one on Judge in his first at bat of the game. Well, he gets a nice little base hit here, probably a single, but that's no sixty-one home runs. So I guess that's where we'll start here with Aaron Judge. He just hit his sixtieth home run last week, and he's now uh, one home run away from tying Roger Maris for the American League. Single season home run record, which is at 61. Um, that means he's two away from being the record holder. Um, and like I said, he's actually in contention to be the triple crown, uh, to win the triple crown this year, which would mean he leagues the league in batting average home runs and RBIs, which he currently does with a 314 average, 128 RBIs, and 60 bombs. Um, but he also leads the league in on-base percentage, slugging, OPS, OPS plus, and total bases, and runs scored. Um, like I said a few episodes ago, when I was talking about the debate, you know, with Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge for MVP, um, it's really Aaron Judge is going to be the MVP. Um, it is a unanimous lock. He should win MVP, um, and I think he will. Uh, I think he should win win it unanimously no one else should you know Shohei is having an incredible season but Aaron Judge is having an all-time historic season and no one else deserve is deserving of MVP votes except for Aaron Judge um so yeah that's just some Aaron Judge praise as he's going for 60 uh 61 and 62 they're projecting them to hit 64 on the season there's 10 games left he hasn't hit a home run in like five or seven games um, so we'll see if he can tie the record and ultimately break the record. Um, some other things, though, around baseball. The Cleveland Guardians are the uh, AL Central champions. AL Central is probably the weakest division in the game of baseball. Uh, but they clinched the division for the first time since 2018. Going into the year, uh, the expectation was that it would be the Chicago White Sox that would win the division. Um, ultimately, the White Sox have played horrible this year. They're actually under 500 right now. At 76 and 77. The Twins had that division lead for a good majority of the year, but they've really fallen out of the race. 
Um, they're out of it now. Um, so Cleveland's going to be the team from the AL Central. The Yankees also clinched the playoffs as well as the Astros. Um, those two have clinched the division. Blue Jays, Rays, uh, and Mariners are the most likely wild card teams. The Orioles are still alive. White Sox and Twins are also still alive, but I mean those teams are technically dead. Uh, they're going to be eliminated here in the next few days. And then over on the National League side of things, the entire playoffs is going to run through the Dodgers. Uh, this is the greatest baseball team uh, probably in like the last five to ten years regular season-wise. They've won 106 games, and there's still like 10 games left on the season. Um, this team has a 312, uh, 322 run differential. That is the best in baseball. The next closest is 228 by the Yankees. Um, so the Dodgers are the best team in the game, uh, the best team in the past few seasons. Um, and I, I don't see a way where this team doesn't make it to the World Series. Uh, obviously, the Mets are a very, very good team. They're at 97 wins. And the Braves, World Series champions last year at 95. Uh, and the Cardinals are a sneaky good playoff team too. But outside of those three teams, I mean, the Phillies can't beat the Dodgers. The Brewers aren't going to make the playoffs. Um, and the Padres have not been able to beat the Dodgers at all this year. Uh, they've won a few games, but the Dodgers have really owned the Padres uh, this season. So, I mean... I'm going to do a uh, a playoff preview once the playoff bracket's final uh, around next week before the wildcard games start. But right now, I, I really think there's two teams. I think there's, okay, there's probably four teams that can legitimately make the World Series. Um, and three of them are from the NL. It's the Mets, the Dodgers, and the Braves. Those are the three teams that are legit contenders. Um, to make and win the World Series. And then on the American League side of things, it's the Houston Astros. Uh, The Yankees, I don't see being legit playoff contenders. They're going to be good. They're going to make it probably to the ALCS, but they'll probably ultimately fall short to the Astros. The Guardians are a great young team. They're actually the youngest team in baseball. Um, But I don't think – I mean, they're going to be built good for the postseason. They have great pitching and good uh, contact hitters and great defense. Um, but the Astros are just so many miles ahead of all of these teams in the American League. Um, and then, yeah, the National League's a little bit tougher, but the Dodgers are, like, the best team, <laughs> like, in a very, very long time. I thought there was a chance that they could break the win record. I think now they can only tie it, which would still be impressive to win 116 games. Um, also, Albert Pujols hit his seven, 699th and 700th career home run uh i think it was on friday night against the dodgers his first one was off andrew heaney for 699 and then for 700 he hit off of phil bickford two into uh the left field bleachers at dodger stadium uh he is the fourth player to ever hit for 700 home runs joining some of the greatest names to ever play the game of baseball um you know every you don't have to be a baseball uh, fan or a sports fan to really know who Babe Ruth is. I think most people have an, somewhat of an idea of who he is. Um, and the fact that Albert Bujols joins Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, and Hank Aaron on that 700 home run club list is incredible. Um, 
I never really got to see the great years of Albert, but this year he's actually playing um, very, very good baseball. I just actually want to pull them up real quick because I didn't write down any of his stats, but this season he's actually doing pretty solid. 292 at bats. He's hitting 264, uh, slugging 524, 860 OPS. Um, he's played in 103 games. He, he usually is playing against lefties. Um, but yeah, Albert Pool, 700 career home runs. Absolute uh, legend of a player. You know, 3,000 hits as well. Um, what else you got here? 2,000 RBIs. 1,400 strikeouts. Um, Albert Pool, 700 home runs. Moving on, though, uh, it was... Um, college football has been interesting these, these past two weeks. Uh, the AP poll didn't really change at all for the top five teams in the country. Um, some of the big things from the weekend of college football, though, were the pages. Uh, I don't know. Um, looking at the AP poll, though, these... Top five teams stayed the same from the previous week. Georgia is the number one team in the country. Um, I think that's pretty clear. Their defense is by far uh, the best in college football. Uh, their offense um, is definitely a top three offense, maybe top five offense in the in, in college football. Uh, but that Georgia defense and what, what Kirby Smart is doing as the head coach of that program uh, definitely puts them in the – the tier of teams that are going to make the college football playoff. I think it's a lock. Um, unless they find a way to lose a game or two, they'll probably be in. Even if they lose one game, they'll definitely be in the college football playoff. We've seen that before. Alabama's lost a game. I think they might have lost two games a few years ago and still made it to the playoff. Um, they have Alabama as the number two team in the country, and then Ohio State at three. That's where I would switch these two teams around. Ohio State is a better football team than Alabama this year. Um, Ohio State has the best offense in the entire entire country. C.J. Stroud is the leading candidate, uh, among leading candidates, for the Heisman Trophy. They got a incredible group of wide receivers there. Um, and that defense, you know, is, is pretty solid as well. Alabama, I would put it three. They are still a very, very... Uh, good program you know they may have only beat texas by one score but at the end of the day you know they are destroying every single team that they play bryce young is already a heisman winning quarterback he's going to be a top five nfl draft pick you could put him at top three depending on how it all falls into place uh number four they have michigan michigan is a, a pretty solid unit as well they did have a tough time uh, in their first conference game against maryland um they only won 34 to 27. Um, at the half, though, this game was very, very close. It was 17 to 13. Um, JJ McCarthy, who's the quarterback that they've replaced uh, since week two, he looked pretty solid. 220 for two touchdowns on the day. Uh, the story, the star of the game, though, for, for Michigan was their running back, Blake Corum. This guy had 30 carries for 243 yards and two touchdowns. Um, this kid is actually. Uh, insane i think he's a junior he's a very very good player he i mean he balled out in this game uh the receivers from michigan couldn't get a whole lot going so that's why uh you know corn was such a big part of that game really helped them to beat um a michigan uh, a maryland team that was giving them some trouble um so that's their number four team and the number five they have clemson um 
at one point Clemson looked like they were going to lose to Wake Forest. Clemson was the number five ranked team last week, and Wake Forest was 21. Um, and yeah, I mean, in the third quarter, Wake Forest put up 21 on Clemson's on Clemson's head, and then uh, this game went into double overtime. Uh, Clemson ended up holding out though, winning 51 to 45. Uh, quarterback DJ U. See, his name's hard to say. Um, Ui, I can't even pronounce it. Ugalele, Ujalele. Like I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's got one of the toughest names in all of sports. Um, but he had an amazing day. He had passed for over 370 yards with five touchdowns. He was really what pushed Clemson over the edge in this double overtime game. They needed someone to step up, and that needed to be the quarterback play. Uh, he played absolutely amazing, which is something that has been a rare commodity for him during his time at Clemson. He's not been the most productive, uh, most reliable uh, quarterback. Uh, he's had his struggles, but this game against Wake Forest to hold on and win. If Clemson lost this game, they would definitely be out of the top 10, uh, and they would have no shot at making the playoff. But a team that has no shot as well as making the playoff would be Kansas State. Or, I mean, sorry, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is ranked number six heading into the weekend. They were playing Kansas State. Uh, they were 3-0, and undefeated, and they ended up losing to unranked Kansas State. Uh, that was just – that is a an, a massive upset. Uh, that takes Oklahoma out of the, call, the, the possibility of them even making the college football playoff. Their ranking dropped severely. Um, big win for Kansas State, and that's going to change a lot of things when it comes to the Big 12. Um, but anyways, Clemson was ranked number five. USC moves up a spot in a tough game against uh, Oregon State. They're ranked number six in the country. They only won by three points against Oregon State. Um, Caleb Williams didn't play a great game. The receivers didn't play a good game, but it was the defense in the end for USC that uh, they got them through and won them this game. Kentucky uh, moves all the way up to number seven. Kentucky, which is a basketball school, um, normally is a basketball school, goes up from eight to seven. They only move up one spot, but, I mean, they played an absolutely amazing game. Um, who do they play against? I, I just lost it. Um, they have been surprising, though. You know, they are primarily one of the schools that is known as a basketball school, along with Kentucky, or sorry, along with Kansas and Duke. They beat Northern Illinois. Uh, their their quarterback plays amazing with four touchdowns on the day. Um, so they're the number seven. Number eight was Tennessee. Tennessee is probably the star of the weekend. They had college game day in uh, Tennessee, and they played the number 20-ranked team in the country, Florida, and Tennessee improves to 4-0. and And Florida is now 2-2. Two and two. They've lost two against the SEC. Uh, so they're done for the season at this point. And Tennessee has a legit shot, in my opinion, of being a team that could make it into the top five within the next few weeks and possibly has a chance of being a college football playoff team. Um, one thing I actually wanted to talk about once we get done, done with these rankings, Oklahoma moves up or stays even at number nine, and NC State moves into the top ten going up from 12. Um, one of the things, though, you know, the college football playoff for this year and how it's been since 2015 – 14 or 16 somewhere in that range um has always just been the top four teams in the country have made the college football playoff um and you know there's been a lot of problems with this because there's only four teams that make the playoffs 
And a lot of the time, it's the same three, four teams that make it. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Oklahoma, Clemson. Those are usually the schools in the mix to make the playoffs. And it's usually the same schools that end up making it. Um, But in a few years, it's supposed to expand to 12 teams for the playoffs. So you're going from 4 to 12. Um, 12 is way too many teams. I mean, 12 eliminates the regular season mattering in college football. It's taking a team that can lose a game or two, um, like a number nine team in the country. Let's say right now Oklahoma State. If they lose two games, then they they go out and they win the rest. Um, they could make the playoff. Um, Twelve teams is a lot. It's too many teams because some of these schools you're going to realize once it gets to the playoffs, if they win a game and then they have to play Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State, they're going to get beat pretty bad because these schools are just not up to the level that these top four or six schools are for the college football playoff. What I would do is make it six. I think six is perfect. The first two seeds get a bye, and then you have two other programs that are pretty solid. You know, some of these schools like the five and six are always interchangeable with the four. It seems like, um, especially when Notre Dame made the playoffs the past few years, it's always been interchangeable with the the five and the six seed uh so six teams for the college football playoffs uh is way 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 better than the 12 team thing that you were about to see in the next two or three years um but yeah that's pretty much all we have for the college football um college football from this weekend we haven't had many big games recently i mean all of the college football games Seem like they're always just these one-sided contests. There were some more close games this weekend, uh, this past weekend. Um, But looking ahead to week five, if there's any big games going on, um, I guess we'll check right now once it loads for me. Anyways, it's not going to. Um, NBA, though. um, It is the start of NBA Media Day. And um, I actually took some notes when LeBron was talking. Um, So let me grab those. Um, Last year, though, the Lakers were 33 and 49. They missed the playoffs. They were the 11th seed in a very, very disappointing season. Um, Russell Westbrook, in his first year with the Lakers, was uh, definitely did not live up to expectations. Um, LeBron, though, he was asked what part of his game and what part of the team um what what they're looking forward to improve the most this season this upcoming season and it lebron made it clear that it was defense last year the lakers were one of the bottom teams in terms of defensive rating um and that's been a message that's been uh, preached by the new head coach darvin ham you know it's been defense uh it's been gritty grinding defense uh lebron's reciprocated that message whether or not lebron's going to take part in that i guess we'll see because lebron has always said that uh he's going to help out on the defensive end and then he does not he does not help out at all um he is 37 though 36 or 37 so the odds that lebron is going to become the defensive player of the year that he was 10 plus years ago is very very unlikely but as long as he can uh focus on that defensive side of the ball. I think the Lakers should be improved. 
he was asked about Darvin Ham. He said he likes his transparency as a head coach. And then LeBron's focus this year is to be available. You know, he's missed some games with the Lakers in the past, especially last year. And his first year with the Lakers, he missed many games with an injury. You know, he says that the most valuable way for the way that he can be the most valuable player for the Lakers is to be on the court, which uh, definitely makes sense because if you are not on the floor, you can't really help the team win any basketball games. You know, he can coach the young guys all he wants, but LeBron is a top three player in the game. So when he's not playing, the odds are the Lakers are not going to be a solid team because the Lakers don't have a lot on their roster. Because I was, you know, checking it out to see what additions the Lakers did making the offseason. And it's really just Patrick Beverly is the biggest move. And that is not a good enough move to uh, justify being a better team than than 33 wins from last season. Russell Westbrook had a very, very bad year last year. And the odds of him improving and being a player that he was uh, to fit in with LeBron and AD is unlikely. Uh, you look at the rest of their team, they have no you know, three-point shooting uh, wings. They have no bench depth. They, I mean, like, the Lakers team is going to be solely dependent on the success of LeBron and Anthony Davis, and if those guys can stay healthy and on the floor. If they cannot, uh, this Lakers team is most likely going to be in the range of eighth seed to 12th seed. Um, there's really no avenues for the Lakers to improve their roster. It's really coming down to trading Westbrook and the two first-round draft picks that they have in 2027 and 2029, which have shown the Lakers have been like hesitant to trade those picks because they are so far in the future. Um, but LeBron is signed to the Lakers for the next two years, so I think it makes the most sense to trade those picks away, improve the roster now, and try and get back to the playoffs and hopefully win another title and get LeBron his fifth ring. Because um, his time in L.A. is, I guess you could say, has been a success, but has not been as successful as you would have thought when he first signed here with the Lakers. They've made the playoffs once. Well, they made the playoffs twice. Uh, and they, they won it the first year. They won the title the next year. They got bounced in the first round to the Suns, who ended up making it to the finals. Um, Russell Westbrook got asked if he can play and adjust his game to play with the Lakers. He said he absolutely can. Um, that's not true. Russell Westbrook cannot adjust his game to play with the Lakers. His game doesn't fit the Lakers, nor does it fit really any team in the NBA. He's still a, a solid player. Just he doesn't try on defense and he can't really shoot the ball and he turns the ball over a lot. He had like the most turnovers on the Lakers last season. Um, KD was interviewed today. He was talked about his trade request from the Nets. Some of the key things that he mentioned was that guys were in and out of the lineup. Uh, guys were injured, and they're unavailable players during his tenure with the Nets. Um, the key part, the unavailable players part, is Kyrie Irving always sitting out for different reasons. Um, last year, it was his vaccination, and the year before that, it was like he didn't wasn't in the right mental space. Um, so Kyrie is probably... One of the biggest reasons why Kevin Durant wanted out, because if Kyrie is not committed, which he has shown that he's not always the most committed player to the uh, to the Nets, 
uh, guys in and out of the lineup that, you know, that refers to Kyrie and as well as some of the coaching decisions by Steve Nash and injuries, you know, in, but injuries is something that you can't really prevent. That's going to happen. Uh, but Katie said, ultimately, when he looked around, uh, he said what he what he said is what everyone else has been saying is that the Brooklyn Nets just need to play together. All right. This team has barely played any time together. Katie and Kyrie who have been on the Nets for four years now, have barely played a full season. I don't think they've even played a full season of games together. Uh, and they've been there for four years. Uh, they they got swept by the Celtics in the first round of the playoffs. Um, but KD realized what everyone else has been saying, and that is that this team just needs to play together. Because if they are able to be uh, on the court together and healthy, and, and and just playing the game of basketball, the odds are with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh, Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, um, Patrick, Patty Mills, um, Royce O'Neal is a guy that they just traded for this offseason. The odds are the Brooklyn Nets are going to be one of the top teams in, in, uh, in the NBA, in the Eastern Conference, and odds are that they're going to be a very, very, very tough team to play when it comes to the playoffs. It's just a matter of getting them onto the floor and playing together. Um, some other NBA news. CJ McCollum signed a two-year extension for $64 million with the Pelicans. Um, the Pelicans, I've seen, have been a team that a lot of people are projecting to be probably one of the top four seeds in the Western Conference. Um, and when you look at where they were last season, I mean, I can understand why a, projecting, a projection like that would make uh, – a projection like that would make sense. They did make the postseason last year. Um, they were the eighth seed. They went 36 and 46. See, that's the problem with these playing games. Actually, I just realized in the NBA, the Pelicans were the eighth seed, won 36 games, 46 losses. The Clippers were the ninth seed with 42 wins. The play-in is, is probably one of the stupidest things. Because it just proves that you don't have to win games if you're a 7, 8, 9, or 10 seed. You know, uh, you can just go out there and if you're the 10 seed, is the you're going to play in these games and it's a basketball a game, a game of basketball where anything can happen and then you're in the playoffs. The Clippers probably should have made the playoffs last year. Um, but the Pelicans, they have Zion Williamson signed his rookie max extension. He didn't play at all last year with a foot injury. Um, but he's the former number one overall pick. In the games that he has played, he has been one of the best players in the game. Um, and if Zion can stay healthy for a full season, that team's going to be amazing. Um, Brandon Ingram has been an incredible player since he's gotten to New Orleans. Um, and then they, you know, they have CJ McCollum, and the rest of that, the rest of the roster is is a pretty solid group. I think it's all going to be dependent on Zion Williamson. You know, Brandon Ingram is an all-star. He put up 22 points last year. McCollum with 24. They have Joe, Jonas Valanciunas, who's a pretty solid player. Josh Hart. So you look at this this roster, it's a very young team. It's got a lot of talent on it, but it's solely going to be dependent on success and the health of Zion Williamson this season. Um, I, I think this team could be one of the top teams in the West regular season-wise. I don't know if this... If they're going to be one of the teams, though, when it comes to the playoffs, if they're going to be a, a legit, uh, a legit team, 
moving forward. Um, some other notes in the NBA. Ime Udoka got suspended for the entire season with the Celtics for violating personal conduct policy. Um, I don't really want to talk about this just because I don't want to. Um, if you want to know about this, you can just look it up yourself. Some of the stuff in sports I don't really want to talk about because I hate when people talk about it on like ESPN. So I don't want to talk about it. Um, and then the Suns owner, I don't know his name, but he got suspended for a year for being um, found to be a, a racist and sexist and stuff like that. So he's been fined and suspended for a year, and he's apparently going to look into selling the team. He also owns the NBA or the WNBA um, Phoenix Mercury. Um, I'm surprised I remembered that, that WNT, WNBA team's name. Um, but he's looking into selling both of those, which is probably the best decision for him and for the NBA. Um, last note I want to touch on with the NBA. Uh, ESPN dropped their top 10 players list like last week. <clears throat> um, I would say it's it's not it's not that bad. Uh, they their top five players are Giannis, Jokic, Luka, Embiid, and Curry. Um, and then their their six through ten goes LeBron, Jason Tatum, KD, John Morant, and Devin Booker. Um, okay, actually, I don't think it's this is a good list at all. Um, if I was to give my top ten players in the game of basketball, the first one is Giannis. Um, and then I'm going to put LeBron at two, and then Jokic three, uh, Luca four, Steph five. KD six, Joel Embiid seven, Jason Tatum eight. Um, I'm forgetting someone else. I need two more spots. Uh, Kawhi Leonard at nine. He didn't play last year, but Kawhi Leonard is one of the top players in the game. Um, and then I guess I'd put either John Morant, Devin Booker, or James Harden at the ten spot. Um. I just don't know if John Morant's name belongs in the top 10 yet. He's one of my favorite, favorite players in the game. Like, he's a tremendous player. I love watching John Morant. Um, <clears throat> but for him to be the ninth best player in the game, I don't know about that yet. He can definitely be that this season. But heading into the year, I don't know if he's that high. Devin Booker is definitely top 15. But is he the 10th best player in the game? I don't really think so. I think James Harden... If we're getting James Harden on the Rockets, James Harden's better. Kawhi Leonard's a better player. Um, then I, I'd say he's probably like the 12th best player in the game. Um, but yeah, more basketball stuff is definitely going to be coming in the future. You know, the st start of training camp is tomorrow. Um, and as we get closer to the season, do some standings predictions, award predictions, all of that stuff. Um, and then the same thing for the MLB when the postseason starts in about a week, actually. So this is the last few days of baseball. Um, and then we have the MLB postseason. A lot of the teams are already clinched. Um, so once that happens, though, we will go through. I'll pick who I think is going to win the World Series, going to make the World Series, all that playoff stuff, and just go through every single team. Um, so now we are going to hand it over. We're going to... Uh, jump into the entire NFL Week 3 recap uh, with the boy Jake.
All right, and then now it's time for the second half of the episode. Here we're going to do the uh, NFL Week 3 recap. We've done it for Week 1, Week 2, and week, with uh, Week 3 wrapping up with Monday Night Football. Uh, we are here. Uh, Jake, uh, I, I hoped that he would be able to be here, make it for the episode, and do this NFL recap part. Um, but, you know, he's in college. He's got his own things he's got to deal with. Um, so he's not going to be able to make it for this part, but the show moves on. And uh, week three NFL recap, you know, going through all these games, talking about um, the takeaways from those games. Uh, some of them, you know, as always, we'll have a little more to discuss about than others. Beginning here, uh, we never recapped Thursday night football because I never we never did an, an episode um, last week on like Friday. Um, but in that game, the Steelers ended up losing to the Browns by a score of 17 to nine, uh, 17 to 29. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky had another one of his, uh, I guess, standard games, uh, which is a standard average Mitchell Trubisky game. He went 20 of 20 for 32 with 207 yards passing, uh, no touchdowns or no picks. He had one rushing uh, TD on the day. Nick Chubb had a great game for Cleveland, 23 carries and 113 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Najee Harris, he had another one of those games for him where you expected him uh, as the number one running back on the the Steelers and one of the top running backs in the game of football. Uh, You expected more out of him, 15 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown. Not a bad performance. It's just not the level that you expect him to perform at. But then again, the Steelers have a bad offensive line. So how much is that really on Najee Harris? Um, it remains to be seen. Deontay Johnson, 88 receptions for 84 yards. Uh, and Amari Cooper had another big game, putting up another 100-yard receiving game with a touchdown. Um, we said last week that this game was the battle of mid. Um, and I think this game really proved that. This game wasn't ultimately uh, too exciting at, en- at really any point. You know, we're still waiting for the Browns at least to uh, get Deshaun Watson back. And then the Steelers, we're kind of waiting on uh, the big storyline of Kenny Pickett coming in and taking the job away from Mitchell Trubisky. Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback drafted in the first round this past season. Um, So it is a matter of time you'd expect for this season that uh, Kenny Pickett makes his debut and takes the job away from Trubisky. But for now, it's Trubisky's job. Uh, Browns move up to two and one, and the Steelers fall to one and two after beating the Bengals in their first game, lose back to back. Now onto the Sunday slate of games. First one here, we have the Texans and the Bears. This is uh, a battle of some of the worst teams in the league, or at least that's what you expect. Uh, their records may not show that at this point in the season, at least for the Bears. Um, the Bears ended up winning by three points, twenty-three to twenty. Uh, Davis Mills, 20-32, 2-45, one touchdown and two picks. Um, and Justin Fields had another one of his games where um, I don't know if this coaching staff trusts him to throw the football. 8 of 17, 106 yards and two picks. Um, I can see and understand why, you know, they may not trust him to uh, throw the football. 20 30 times um because you know he does not throw a lot of completions yes the bears offensive line is among the bottom tier in the nfl 
Um, and receiving weapons, you know, they have a few. They got St. Brown. They have Darnell Mooney. Um, and they have some nice backs as well, including Herbert and Montgomery. Um, but I just, I don't know if, ju- if uh, Justin Fields is that guy. I don't think the coaching staff believes that. Because if so, you know, when you have a first-year head coach with a quarterback that they didn't draft, usually that guy, um, that quarterback is thrown into a position where he is uh, trying to prove himself for this new head coach. Um, and I don't think they believe in Justin Fields. Um, it's definitely shown that he is a questionable player. You know, he he was talented in college at Georgia, uh, but the transition to the NFL has been rough. Damian Pierce had a very, very nice day. You know, the biggest fantasy sleeper uh, running back in the preseason. This was a guy that a lot of people projected to be a, in a tremendous running back this season. He puts up 80 yards and a touchdown on 20 attempts. Herbert for the uh, the Bears, 157 yards, two touchdowns and tw- on 20 carries, uh, all rushing. He is a fantastic back, uh, especially with Montgomery uh, being in and out of the lineup for the Bears. Texans had five sacks on the day. Um, this game probably won't have any uh, meaning for any of these teams going forward. The Bears are 2-1. and one. Uh, which is very, very interesting to see. They are among, uh, they're tied for first place in the the NFC uh, North, along with the Packers and the Vikings. Uh, and the Texans are 0-2-1. Uh, moving on here, we have the Raiders and the Titans. The Raiders lose 22-24. to uh, The Raiders are the only winless team in football. They are 0-3. Uh, this was supposed to be a Raiders team that, at the beginning of the season, was expected to be one of the better teams in the NFL. Uh, they were expected to be competing in an AFC West division that is among uh, probably the best division in football. It was projected that this uh, that the AFC West was going to, every team was going to win every single game except for the games that they play each other. Um, the Raiders fall to 0-3. The Titans pick up their first win of the year, which was a big win for them. Um, one thing I want to point out on this game is Devontae Adams. Five receptions for 36 yards and one touchdown. This is the second week in a row where he's just not uh, been productive. Um, and I don't know who exactly, you know, you can um, who you can blame this on. You know, is it... Derek Carr, because Derek Carr should be targeting Devontae Adams a lot. He's the best receiver in the game. They played together in college. They are best friends. Like That is someone that you should be targeting the most. Is it because Devontae Adams is being uh, double, triple, quadruple covered? I mean, he had 10 targets in the game. right? He had the same amount of targets as the uh, as Mac Hollins, who put up eight receptions for 158 in a touchdown. right? Um, I mean... I don't really understand the usage for Devontae Adams. Last week was worse against the Cardinals. Um, at least this week, he he did a little bit better. Uh, but for the Raiders, you know, I think uh, I think this is time to hit the panic button, right? Zero uh, three for a team that's supposed to be one of the best teams in the National Football League. Uh, they are the only team without a win, and. I mean, this this team has a lot of holes, right? They have 
tremendous talent at certain positions, the running back, wide receiver, got a good quarterback, good defensive pass rushers. Uh, but when it comes to the secondary, the offensive line, uh, this team has a lot of a lot of holes. Uh, and for Tennessee, Derrick Henry had an amazing game. You know, you're waiting to see a Derrick Henry game this year. This wasn't Derrick Henry's best performance uh, that he's ever had, but it was the best performance so far this year. And Ryan Tannehill really showed out uh, in today's game. Big win for the Titans uh, as they are at 1-2 and two on the season. Next game here was the Colts and the Chiefs. Um, going into this, Chiefs were by far the favorites to go in and win this game. Um, I mean, you look, the Colts got shut out by the Jaguars in week uh, week number two, and then week one they tied to the Texans. So expectations are that the Chiefs are going to go up, uh, go end up win. They're going to end up winning this game. Uh, Colts end up pushing through. They ended up winning twenty to seventeen. This was just one of those games. I mean, this is a game that you go in thinking one team is going to for sure win, and then at the end of the day, uh, you, you check that score, and it ends up being the other way around. And that's why you play these football games, because just because you write a team off for the first two games doesn't mean they can't go in and win any given week. Uh, and that's the, that's really the beauty of sports. But uh, Patrick Mahomes, 20 for 35, he, he played a pretty solid game. Uh, Matt Ryan had two touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor had a nice little game. He didn't score any touchdowns rushing. Um, a dropped punt by Sky Moore uh, for the Chiefs early in the game really, um, really hurt them. You know, that's when the, the Colton went up by a touchdown. If Jake was here, he'd be able to give some more analysis, you know, on this game as someone who is a fan of the Chiefs. Um, but for this game, you know, this is a, a very, very big win for the Colts. You do not want to start out winless. You know, 0-2-1 is what they'd start out as. Um. Uh, but, you know, the Chiefs, they're not dead. They're still probably the top three team in the AFC, a top three team in the entire league. Uh, it's just one of the games where, you know, you got to perform better. you got to do the little things better if you're Kansas City. Uh, Bills-Dolphins was a game. This is probably the best game of the weekend in what seemed to be a very lackluster weekend in the NFL you know, compared to week two, which was a uh, absolute crazy, crazy weekend. Uh, week number three, not as exciting, but uh, Bills, Dolphins, expectations for this game, you know, two of the best teams in the league, two 2-0 two teams, two division rivals playing to, uh, against each other. Uh, expectation, Bills going to win this game. One, what ends up happening, Dolphins end up winning 21-19. Uh, Josh Allen threw the ball 63 times with 400 yards and two touchdowns. Tua only threw for threw the ball 18 times, but he ended up getting banked up. He got like uh, destroyed on on a sack or on a tackle. Excuse me. Uh, his head banged against the grass. He ends up going out for the remainder of the first half. They check him out for concussion. He comes back in the game, um, and now I guess the NFLPA. Uh, the Players Association is in investigating uh, the medical examination of Tua uh, for any possible concussion. 
the head coach and Tua ended up saying that he didn't have any signs of concussion, yet it was his ankle uh, that is injured. Um, but anyways, Chase Edmonds had a nice day. Um, this game was was a um, was was a wild one. There was a butt punt uh, by the Dolphins at the end, nearing the end of the game. The Dolphins were. Uh, were were up twenty one to seventeen, right? And they get forced onto their one yard line to to punt away the ball towards the end of the game, um, and they ended up punting it into um, some dude's butt. Like they punted it in his butt, um, uh, and that ends up going out of bounds for a safety. So that puts the Bills into great position to possibly come back and win this game. The Bills were out of timeouts. All they got to do, you know, get down the field as fast as possible, you know, keep uh, either going out towards the sideline or spiking that ball to get the clock stopped. Um, at the end of the day, though, you know, the Dolphins hang on when this game. Um, there's an a very, very interesting stat that I'm going to be pulling up right now. You know, when you look at this game and you just read the box score, I mean, time of possession the Bills had the ball for in a 60-minute uh, NFL game. The Bills had the ball for 40 minutes and 40 seconds. When you look at that, you are going to think if a team has the ball for that long, the odds are that they're going to win that game. Dolphins only had the ball for 19 minutes. The Bills had more first down, more yards, more offensive plays, way less punts than the Dolphins. You know, the Dolphins punted the ball five times. The Bills only punted it once. Um, the Dolphins, though, I mean, they just capitalized on on their drives. They every single one of their drives, they performed. Uh, they 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 just played, I guess, better football with less opportunity, uh, and that is really what led them to win a game against a division rival. And they are now the only the second team in the NFL, one of two teams. That is heading into week four undefeated at three and zero. Very very big win, you know. Also some other notes, you know, Micah Hyde, Bill safety, he's out for the season with a neck injury. Very very big blow to their secondary. Uh, Poyer missed this game. He's one of their safeties as well. And then their rookie safety Christian Benford, he was out for the game with a broken hand. So a lot of missing pieces for this Bills team on the uh, defensive side of the ball. Offensively. Uh, Josh Allen threw the ball a lot um, because they had no run, they have no running game. The Bills have a very, very minimal running game, so Josh Allen really does have to go out there uh, and do his all against teams that are, you know, um, pretty solid, pretty good NFL teams. Um, moving on though uh, to the next game, Lions Vikings. Vikings ended up winning this game, twenty eight twenty four. Uh, the Lions are a good team. They are a very, very solid group of uh, of football players. This is a team that I, I feel like is going to be somewhere in that range of a eight or nine win team ceiling uh, that has the potential to make a playoffs um, as like a seventh seed this year. Um, and then the floor is maybe like a six, five win, five, six win team, but a, a good five, six win team, a team that loses by one score or less in all of their games. They're going to be great offensively uh, and a pretty, pretty solid unit on defense. Um, Jeff Okuda, 
for the Lions, the number three overall pick a few seasons ago. This guy was um, was clowned on and, and labeled as a bust because his first two years in the NFL were not productive. He was injured a lot. He 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 did he was not the the corner you expected him to be when he came in to the league from Ohio State. But this year, he has actually been very very productive. Um, uh, in his matchups, I believe I have it pulled up here. Yes, week one, Devontae Smith had zero catches and zero yards when guarded by Jeff Akuda. Week two, McLaurin, two catches for 22, guarded by Akuda. Week three, Justin Jefferson, who's probably a top five receiver in the National Football League, three catches. So, Jeff Okuda. Maybe he's playing like he was uh, projected to be as a number three overall draft pick. Um, the rest of this Lions team, though, is pretty nice. Amon Ross St. Brown is one of the best receivers, best young receivers so far this season. Uh, DeAndre Swift did not play his best game. Unfortunately, he's going to be out for a, par- a few weeks, possibly, with an injury. Um, Jav- uh, uh, Williams, their other running back, had 87 yards and two touchdowns. He's really their guy that, you know, DeAndre Swift may be their RB1, but Williams is their RB1.2. He is their RB1B. You know, 1A and 1B. Williams is their 1B. He's now their 1A. Um, Dalvin Cook for Minnesota, he he ended up uh, leaving this game with a dislocated shoulder. He's questionable for week four. Um, he he was not the most productive player this week. Um, I know that because as someone who owns him on one of my fantasy teams, I was just watching that stat. Uh, his points and his stats stay exactly the same for majority of the first half until he scored that touchdown. Big blow for them, though. Uh, hopefully he's able to come back for week four. He's questionable right now. Uh, and then, like I said, you know, Justin Jefferson got locked up that game. He was not a factor whatsoever. But ultimately, uh, you know, the Vikings ended up winning this game in a in a pretty competitive battle. Uh, the Ravens and Patriots. Ravens ends up whole, uh, beating the Patriots 37 to 26. Lamar Jackson is definitely the MVP frontrunner. I think I'm going to go ahead and say right now that Lamar Jackson uh, will win the MVP. Um, I know I may have said in my preseason prediction that I think I think I said Josh Allen will win MVP. No, Lamar Jackson will win MVP this season uh, at quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. This guy is absolutely incredible. Uh, the start that he's been on is insane. He had a four-touchdown day with five total touchdowns, one of them rushing, four passing. Um Mac Jones had a very rough day for New England, 321 yards, but he threw three picks, and he's going to be missing the next few weeks with a high ankle sprain. So the Patriots, what does this mean for them? Is it time to hit the panic button? Is their season dead, you know, with teams like the Dolphins and the Bills in their division? I don't really see a chance of them making the playoffs, you know, with lackluster wide receivers. Um, they have a solid running back in Harris, um, but if you're not going to have your quarterback, and I don't know who their backup is, um, 
I think it, it might be Brian Oyer. Um, and then you have lackluster wide receivers. You Your defense is, is all right, right? But for the Patriots, I don't know where they go forward without Mac Jones for these next few weeks. Um, the Ravens look great, though. Offensively, they're amazing. Mark Andrews is one of the best tight ends in the game, right? 89 yards for two touchdowns. The defense looked a little sloppy, you know, for their second straight week. Um, but Lamar is just—he is an amazing, amazing player. He's definitely proving, trying to prove himself this year, right? He's trying to get a massive bag that he wanted this offseason. The Ravens didn't want to pay him, um, and I bet the Ravens regret every single day that Lamar that they didn't pay him because his price just keeps going up, 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 and up. Um, oh, I gotta get a water break for a sec. The Bengals pick up their first win of the season against the Jets. They ended up winning this 27-12. to Joe Flacco has thrown um, the most passes, I believe, in the NFL so far this year. He threw the ball 52 times, 285, two picks. Uh, Burrow had a nice little game, three touchdowns. Nice little game. He actually balled out in this game. Um, receiving for the Bengals has been something that uh, – I, as a Jamar Chase fantasy owner, have been a little uh, a little annoyed by, you know, Tyler Boyd played an amazing game. T. Higgins played a nice game. But Jamar Chase on 10 targets, only six receptions for 29 yards, one touchdown. Um, this is the second straight week where, I mean, he's getting the targets. So I can't say that he's not being involved in the game plan for the Bengals. I guess it's just he's getting locked up. I mean, there is video of him getting shut down by Saws Gardner, the Jets rookie corner, one of the top uh, picks in this in this past NFL draft. Um, but Jamar Chase is such a very, very valuable big piece to this offense. And for Joe Burrow, that, uh, yes, they ended up winning this game, but you'd like to see Jamar Chase go out, especially against a team like the Jets, the expectation is that he goes out uh, with a possible two-touchdown game, over 100 and something yards, seven receptions. You know, you want high volume out of someone like Jamar Chase. But the Bengals get a much-needed win. The last thing you want from the defending AFC champs is for them to um, start off the season 0-3. So big, big win for them. Uh, and the Jets, you know, just have done – uh, you know, they had a nice win last week, but the Jets is the Jets. Um, this game, this team we're about to talk about, is the only other undefeated team in the NFL. This is the Philadelphia Eagles, who beat the Washington Commanders by a final score of 34-8. to eight. Uh, Jalen Hurts is probably the guy that I would put second in possible, or in second in MVP voting, MVP race. Uh, if it wasn't for Lamar Jackson, this guy would be uh, the MVP for me. Jalen Hurts with another amazing game. Three touchdowns, 340 yards. Devontae Smith had the best game of the year so far for him. Uh, eight receptions for 169 yards and a touchdown. He made an incredible grab uh, uh, in the red zone. Very, very deep ball. Goes up, catches it, rolls over. Almost got a touchdown out of it. Ended up getting 
to the one-yard line. Um, Jalen Hurts is him, though. That's what I put down in these notes. Jalen Hurts this year has been incredible. You know, from the the throws that he's been able to make, uh, the ball placement, and then his ability as a rusher. You know, if there's not a play available and he goes through his reads and he finds he'll find a way to either extend a play or make a play for himself. Um, he's a very, very good quarterback. I always thought, you know, when he got drafted out of Oklahoma or when he was in Oklahoma, I thought this guy had potential to be a first round pick. I thought this guy was going to be a pretty good NFL player. Um, something about, you know, quarterbacks dual threat quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks in college is that they always want to get these NFL scouts and coaches always want to say, oh, you should be a wide receiver or a running back in the NFL. You'll have a longer career. That's what they said to Lamar Jackson. That's what they said to Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts has proved um, this season and last season that he is a legit starting quarterback in this league. And I think, you know, this year he's going to prove he's going to take this Eagles team who has a yes, they have an easy, easy schedule. Right. Um, But they are a legit contender. Think they are the best team in the NFC. I think they might be the among the top two teams in football so far this season. And then for Washington, they suck. Uh, Carson Wentz is not good um, and their defense is horrible. They only put up eight points. Uh. I mean, this is just this Washington team is horrible. They got to figure something out. I think they need to rebuild. Um, rough, rough day for Washington. Great win for the Eagles. The Panthers beat the Saints twenty-two to fourteen. Um, I didn't write down Jameis Winston's name. Jameis Winston uh, threw two interceptions. Mayfield only twelve completions, one hundred seventy a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey had another nice game. Uh, no touchdowns in this one, same as last week. Uh, I didn't really watch any of this game. All I know is that the Saints and Jameis Winston, um, I, I don't think they're going to be that, they're, they're not going to be that good. You know, with Jameis Winston at quarterback, you need someone, you need one of these guys. And Jalen, uh, uh, Jameis Winston is not, he's not a guy. He was a great player. He's a pretty solid NFL player, uh, but he's not a guy that you can count on to win you football games. Uh, and the Panthers, I mean, you're playing – these are two, uh, I guess, below average, two bad teams playing each other. So someone's got to win. Uh, don't have a lot to say about that one. This one I do. Jacksonville Jaguars head into Los Angeles to play the Chargers which against Justin Herbert, who has a broken rib cartilage. And the Jaguars win this game 38-10. to 10. Trevor Lawrence goes in and makes a statement for himself as a quarterback. Uh, in only his second season, he had a game that you expected him to have as a former number one overall pick. 262 yards, three touchdowns. He, he has really shined, you know, so far this season with Doug Peterson as his head coach. Any – this season was bound – to be better, right, than last year with Urban Meyer at head coach and all of the drama and 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 distractions that last season brought with Urban Meyer and, and everything like that, right? So they bring in a Super Bowl winning head coach in Doug Peterson this offseason, a guy who's taught 
and coached uh, winning Super Bowl young quarterbacks in the past. And Trevor Lawrence has looked great. The Jaguars might be legit contenders for the AFC AFC South. Um, That division um, might not be as good as we expected. Um, You know, no one really expected the Jaguars to be a team that is uh, contending for the division this year. It is either the Colts or the Titans. Neither of those two teams have started out incredible. Um, but the Jaguars, 2-1 and one in this division. For the Chargers, uh, interesting decision by the coaching staff to have Justin Herbert, a guy who has a broken rib, cartilage. It's interesting to see him throw the ball 45 times. You would think that the offense should be around uh, through Austin Eckler, Sony Michelle in the running game for the Chargers. Uh, I guess the coaching staff thought they knew something that we didn't. You know, they think that it's probably a good idea if my quarterback has a broken rib to have him throw the ball 45 times. Um, the Chargers, though, are we concerned about them? I don't know yet. It's it's a question mark, right? They have a lot of injuries. Rayshon Slater, their their offensive lineman, is out for the season. Joey Bosa is going to be out for a few weeks at the groin. Um, we haven't seen J.C. Jackson. Keenan Allen hasn't played since week one with a hamstring. Mike Williams wasn't the best player this week. Um, so, ultimately, I guess we'll find out, you know, if the Chargers are going to be as good as predicted. Because there were some predictions out there that have the Chargers being a team that that's going to win the Super Bowl, that's going to not lose a game. And they've just lost back-to-back games, one against the Chiefs, which is a tough divisional opponent, and then one against the Jaguars, who no one expected to be at this position, no one expected to be this good. Um, But I guess we'll figure out who the Chargers are, you know, in the next few weeks with the possibility of getting some of their their guys back from injury um, and, and hopefully having a healthier Justin Herbert. Um, another AFC or NFC West game. We had the Rams take on the Cardinals. Rams won this game 20 to 12. Uh, the Cardinals. I have some notes here. Actually, I want to bring up the Cardinals are probably one of the worst teams in the league. Um, yes, they beat the Raiders, um, but the Raiders are even worse than the Cardinals. But at least for the Raiders, at least for them, they uh, they have lost all their games by at least you know a. A one-score game. Um, the Cardinals, though, they are the worst for first-quarter team in the NFL. Uh, they have scored zero points in the first quarter of the season as the worst in the NFL, and they have allowed 31 points in the first quarter, which is also the worst in the NFL. Um, Kyler Murray has taken every snap and scrambled around the field because his receivers can't get open. Uh, Marquise Brown may have had a nice game uh, for 140 yards. um, But the Cardinals offensively are struggling for a team that is supposed to be one of the best offenses in the league. And defensively, they played like crap against a Rams team that didn't even play their best football. All right, Cooper Cup had his first career rush, which was a touchdown. That's only something Cooper Cup would do. Cam Akers had a bounce back game. Aaron Donald recorded his 100th career sack. Um, Matthew Stafford didn't have another good game. 
Um, but ultimately, the Rams are just a better team than the Cardinals. And I think the Cardinals are probably one of the – I mean, currently they're one of the worst teams in the league. When you look at their offensive production, uh, not only in the first quarter, but in the entire game. Um, but the Rams, there's still question marks for them on whether or not they are legit contenders uh, moving forward. Falcons, Seahawks, Falcons won this game 27-23. This is a battle of another. Uh, teams are looking to have top draft picks this season. Cordell Patterson had a very, very nice game. Uh, and Kyle Pitts had his breakout game so far this season. Five receptions, 87 yards. No touchdowns, though. He's only had touchdowns in London. Um, that was last season. Next game, Packers, Buccaneers. Packers hold on against the Bucks by a final score of 14-12. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had a nice little game. Uh, Tom Brady, season stats, 673 yards, 22nd in the league, three touchdowns through three games, one per game, which is exactly what he's thrown. Um, are we concerned about Tampa is a question that, you know, can be posed. Uh, this offense has not put up enough points this season, um, and they have not looked sharp. None of that is at the fault of Tom Brady. None of that is his fault. That is all because, I mean, you look at this game against the Packers, they are missing Mike Evans, suspended. They're missing Chris Godwin, injury, hamstring. They're missing Julio Jones, another injury. Um, So they are relying on Russell Gage, relying on, on Scotty Miller um, and a bunch of guys that just got signed off of a uh, from the homeless shelter in the Tampa area, right? A bunch of guys no one's ever heard of running out there against for Tom Brady, right? This team is dropping a bunch of balls. Every pass that Tom Brady throws is going in and out of the hands of every receiver. They're fumbling the ball. Uh, they, they don't have any good ball control. And their old line is missing their three interior D linemen and their left tackle. Um, but I think the Bucks will be okay. I think they'll be fine when they get their guys back. You know, when Mike Evans comes back next week, when Chris Godwin comes back in a few weeks from his injury, and when Julio Jones comes back, and hopefully if they get some of their offensive line back, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should be okay. And for the Packers, um, I guess, okay, back to the Bucks real quick. The only bright spot about this team is the defense. They have an incredible defense. This Tampa Bay defense is probably the best defense in the league. I mean, they have shut down so many players and so many teams. The Packers only put up 14 on their heads. Aaron Jones had a bad game. He fumbled the football. A.J. Dillon didn't do anything. This game is just a few plays and a two-point conversion um, that let the Packers end up being on top. Um, the Bucks defense kept them in. The Bucks offense did not let them win. That's pretty much the story of the game. And then Sunday night football, we had the 49ers and the Broncos, and this was probably one of the worst um, Sunday night football games, primetime football games in recent memory. 
Broncos won this game 11 to 10, which is a very wacky score. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo pulled a Dan Orlovsky. If you've ever seen the clip, uh, Dan Orlovsky many years ago in his own end zone, snaps the ball and then runs out of bounds without realizing it. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo pulled that today. He ended up throwing a pick on that play, but since he stepped out of bounds, ends up being a safety. Um, Russell Wilson, he has not performed, <laughs> to say the least, up to the level that you'd expect for a guy that you traded a crap ton for, um, and you just paid $235 million a few weeks ago. He's not performed up to that level. Can he get there this year? Of course, it's Russell Wilson, one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the game. But, I mean, from a for a Broncos team that has the offensive weapons and Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, uh, Tim Patrick, they got Melvin Gordon and um, and and a, another great running back in Williams. You know, you expect this this Broncos offense to be rolling, um, and they have not been. Their head coach is iffy. Uh, the 49ers, I'm not really concerned about them either. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo. Did not learn the playbook at all in the offseason with the, the expectation being that he was going to get traded. Um, but now, obviously, he's starting with the Trey Lance injury. So he's still got to learn the offense. The Broncos, I'm more concerned about, even though they come away with this W, uh, their offense needs to pick it up if they want to have any chance against teams that are miles better than the 49ers. Um, and then Monday Night Football... Let me pull it up here because I didn't have time to write it down. Monday Night Football, we had the we had the Cowboys and the Giants. The Giants were trying to were looking to join the undefeated club. You know, they came into the game two and zero, trying to leave the game three and zero, be one of the only few teams in the league to remain undefeated. But the Cowboys pull off their second straight win for a team for a team that we thought was dead with Dak Prescott out. The Cowboys are 2-0 since Zach Prescott has been injured. Cooper Rush has an amazing game. 98 quarterback rating in this game. A touchdown, 215 yards. Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott had incredible games out of the backfield for the Cowboys. Zeke had a touchdown. CeeDee Lamb had a great game. He had a big uh, drop in the game. But then he ends up coming back with a beautiful one-handed touchdown. Toe tapper in the end zone. Uh, Saquon Barkley had a pretty solid game, to say the least, 81 yards in the touchdown. Daniel Jones uh, had a Daniel Jones kind of game with a pick, 190 yards passing. Um, Trayvon Diggs got his first interception on the season, and the Cowboys had five sacks on the day. Um, The Giants are frauds, is what I think they are. I don't think they're a team... You know, when they were 2-0 coming into the night, I didn't think there was any shot they'd be 3-0. I didn't think there was any shot that if they were 3-0, they're a team that you can even put uh, in the list of contenders or teams that are legit chance to make the playoffs. Uh, the Cowboys are a better team. Their defense is incredible. You know, Michael Parsons didn't even have a sack today, but his impact was still felt for the Cowboys. Trayvon Diggs is a, is a very good corner. You know, the stats may show that he allows a lot of yards and receptions, um, but he's a very good football player. 
as well. Um, and the Giants honestly just suck. Like, they're very bad. Um, so, Cooper Rush, 2-0 this season as a starter. 3-0 in his career for a Cowboys team that, you know, we all thought was going to be dead uh, and had no shot at making the playoffs with uh, Dak Prescott being out. Ends up being that the Cowboys are second place in the uh, NFC East. All right, so now every single game has been recapped. We're going to go through. I'm going to give my NFL power ranking top 10, uh, top 10 this week, starting from the bottom. Number 10, Cleveland Browns. In the battle of the mid against the Steelers, they end up pulling away. Jacoby Brissett, as his starting quarterback, has looked pretty solid. Uh, Amari Cooper's looked amazing, uh, and the Browns' defense is one of the best defenses in the league. So they're number 10. Number 9, I have the Bucks. Um, their defense is the best in the league. Uh, and like I said just a few minutes ago, yes, their offense has had its struggles early on this season. Uh, but they're missing a lot of guys. And odds are when those guys come back, this offense and this team, with Tom Brady at quarterback, are going to be insanely good. So they're at nine. Number eight, I have the Ravens with MVP Lamar Jackson. Um, the only thing here is that their defense is not the best. Um, their secondary is iffy, but Lamar Jackson is incredible. Seven, I have the Jaguars. All right, When you come out with a shutout performance against a division rival Colts, and then you go in and beat one of the top teams, top teams, in the league, in the Chargers, um, at home, in Los Angeles, uh, that's going to put you up there. Uh, we'll see if they end up staying this high or if they end up being this good. Jaguars at seven, though. Rams at six. six. Yes, they, they uh, didn't play their best football. They still got to win. Um, this team is still probably going to be the favorite to win the NFC West. Um, I just don't know if they're a team that I would count on to win a playoff game or even make it to a Super Bowl. But then again, we're only three weeks into the season. Number five out of the Packers. It seems like it's been 20 games ago since that week one loss, the Vikings, horrendous loss. Uh, and then these past two weeks against the Bears and then last night against the, the Buccaneers, they have played very, very well. Uh, number four of the Chiefs. Yes, they lost to the Colts, but the Chiefs is the Chiefs. Uh, They're still the best team in the AFC West and a team that I legit think is probably a, among one of the five teams that can own, that can win a Super Bowl right now in the league. They're at number four. Number three, I have the Bills. Last week, I had the Bills as the best team in the league. They lose this game, drop, three spot, or drop two spots from one to three. Um... It's this game really the reason I have them dropping is because their secondary was injured and they have no running game. Josh Allen has to do it all for them. Uh, they need to be able to have a running game uh, for the postseason. Um, and the Bills are not good in close uh, one, two score games. They are amazing in games where they win by multiple scores. But when it comes to these one, maybe even two score games, the Bills are not. Uh, the best so far, uh, and that even dates back a, a few the past few pa- past few years. You know when they play teams like the Chiefs in the playoffs and they lose in these close games. 
But the cheat, uh, the Bills are my number three. Number two, I have the Dolphins. Um, that was a, a impressive win. Yes, they didn't play their best football at all, um, and they should not have won that game against the Bills, but they did. The week before against the Ravens, let it come back. They looked amazing. Uh, they just looked great this year, and they're the only they're one of two teams that are undefeated. So it's disrespectful to have them anywhere below here. Uh, and number one, I have the Eagles. Uh, Jalen Hurts is incredible. One of the best quarterbacks to start the year. Probably second in MVP for me. Um, and they have an incredible offense, right? One of the best offensive lines in the league. They have nice rushing with Sanders and Jalen Hurts. And offensive receiver weapons, you know, tight end Dallas Goddard has been great. A.J. Brown has looked like a legit wide receiver one. And they have Devontae Smith, who won a Heisman Trophy a few years ago. Um, and also has the potential to be a wide receiver one. And he's their wide receiver two right now. Uh, and that defense for the Eagles is also very, very incredible. Um, so they are my number one team in the NFL after week three, heading into week four. So that is all of the recap and power rankings. I guess the only other thing I want to mention uh, is that the Pro Bowl is dead, uh, is is done. The NFL has canceled the Pro Bowl uh, because that game sucks. It's just two-hand touch. They're replacing it with flag football and much other uh, little festivities. Um, but yes, that is it for this episode. Uh, we'll have another episode later this week going through week four picks. Um, and whatever else happens in the world of sports, little two-part episode. Um, you know, the ex- the the hope was that Jake would be able to do this recap with us, um, but this episode was a was definitely a long one. Um, went through college football week four. The NBA preseason is around the corner. Uh, MLB postseason. Um, Aaron Judge triple crown watch. Pujols seven hundred home runs. NFL top 10 power rankings, and then, find, of course, you know, probably what most of you are here for, hopefully. Um, hopefully you're here for all of it, but uh, the NFL Week 3 recap. Uh, so that's what we went over this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, as always, this podcast is available on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, there is a link on Spotify for if you would like to um, support the podcast, you know, for it does. I do have to pay a ten dollar membership uh, to be able to edit the podcast to uh, somewhat of quality standards. At least, uh, I, at least it's the bare minimum um, for me. What I think is acceptable to put out there. Uh, but if you would like to support in any way, it's not a lot. I don't think I checked out the link. Um, it's it's there's a few options on there. Anything's appreciated. Even just you watching is appreciated. Uh, Share the pod. uh, Watch the pod. Um, And yeah, I'll see you guys later this week with another episode. And I thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of The Franchise. And I'll see you guys next time.